Blog Talk Radio. Jackson from DLJ uh, Sports and Entertainment Firm and a mystery secret music industry executive who's been around for years, knows the industry in and out from the new and the old. But before we get to that, we're going to bring on Mr. Jay Logan. How are you, Jay, today? Hey, I'm doing wonderful, Gail. Everything is just going smooth as intended. That sounds great. Well, Jay, I know let's go right into the news. I'm kind of excited about the news today. Oh, yeah, some wonderful news, you know. Uh, today and um, <clears throat> I love to share it with everybody. Uh, a lot of the stuff that we're doing today, Gail, we can't tell the whole news story because it's so long. So I'll just briefly tell some of the headlines and talk a little <laughs> bit about it. <laughs> okay. I mean, there's some wonderful things. Um, Gail, um, the University of Texas promised full scholarships to in-state students with families income under 65K um, by 2020 um, in efforts to ease access to college. The University of Texas pledged Tuesday to provide full scholarships to undergraduates whose families make uh, $65,000. So, you know, we're moving into this thing where now all our kids – uh, will maybe get free education, and you know, with the things that uh, the Democrats are doing, and Bernie Sanders, and a couple of them, they want free education, and they're forgiving some debts. And um, Texas um, established a hundred and sixty million dollars endowment from the state's permanent university fund in order to offer scholarships by the fall of 2020, which is right around the corner here, according to the press that release amazing. from the university. <laughs> yeah, the money be, will be supplemented. And existing federal and state financial aid programs will be allowed to access this money. So that's one thing, and I'm glad. And, you know, you know, Texas is a weird state, you know, and this is something that's great coming out of Texas. You know, Texas has its ups it and really downs. It really is. But, but it bravo, does. And, Texas. And, and it's, been seen, it's, it's been seen as very – as a, a state who 
kind of is controversial, you know, because they passed some things that seem to be agreeable with the, you know, ongoing public, and then they seem to pass other things that are, you know, we, you know, not kind of sure where they're standing. I mean, like one of the things was the Helen Keller situation, uh-huh. you know, where they took Helen Keller and Hillary Clinton out of their history books, you know, some years ago. So it's it's you never know like what their reasoning is. You just kind of with it, understand it. Right. And uh, they were the first, you know, one to step out. So, hey, um, wonderful news. The other uh, piece of news is uh, uh, this lady, it's really amazing that um, her name is Danielle Metz. She she missed half her life, and she was incarcerated in prison because – I'll just tell a short story real quick. Her husband was uh, put in jail for drugs, but she had little to do with it, and um, she – she thought that she would be pardoned or, you know, just slapped on the wrist. Well, no, they put her in jail for life. Um, uh, President Obama let her out of prison, and she had thought she would never, ever get out of prison. Um, she thought she would never attend college. So um, in, in, in prison, she took some classes, but um, one of the, our presidents had uh, stopped a program that was uh, going on in prison to allow prison inmates to get college educations. It kind of slowed them down. But when, when President Obama released her from prison, she enrolled in college, and she made the dean's list. Um, and it's just an amazing story. I, I, I don't know if you, would, if you post it on our, on our website, but wow, it's a miracle. <laughs> Well, you know what's amazing about this? This goes to show that rehabilitation can happen. This yes. is definitely what it goes to show. Rehabilitation can happen if we would only believe that it will happen. That's the important thing. You know. So let's go into our third item. Okay. Well, you know, we always worry about our kids and our nieces, uh, as you know. So now uh, Doki Pal has just released a 4G light smartwatch for kids featuring um, AL voice assistant and video calling. So now you can keep a track of your child uh, no matter where. It even gives uh, notifications to say, hey, you have left the border. I told you don't go over to this part of the city, and now I see that you're over there. Come back uh, to the defined area you should be in. Uh, this thing also tracks your fitness. Um, it lasts up to 48 hours. Um, so now you can know where your kids, you know, your kids is. This Doki online store, they ship it to more than 40 con- countries. It's a high-tech smart watch geared towards kids, and it lets kids text their parents, let them know where they are. It's wonderful that they're starting to have this type of uh, these type of things now. I wish I had this back in the day with my son, but they have them now, and I'm glad that um, – it tracks your heart rate. It tells you everything. So your kids can be a little bit more safer as they're on the go. You know what I like about this, you know, and I know many people don't know that your son was uh, unfortunately killed by a drive-by situation. You know, I think it's important sometimes, you know, it, you can be in the best neighborhoods and you were living in a great neighborhood. It doesn't matter the neighborhood you can live in anywhere in the world. Something can always happen, unfortunately. Um you know, and you know, I just want to let people know that we're at the end of the hour. We're going to go into the news about Jaden Smith and the amazing work that he's doing. Um, you know, as an as an artist, yes. you know, we want to talk about that. But we're first going to go into having our 
lady of the hour, Deisha Jackson, Esquire, lawyer extraordinaire, and she is also the sponsor for this show today. So we're really, really excited to have her. So we're going to bring on Deisha right now. Miss Jackson, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? We are wonderful. We're so glad to have you on today and go into some things that we know that will be so great for the audience, and we are very grateful that you sponsored the show today as well. And um you know, it's just uh, great for people, especially music artists, Disha, to know a little bit about some information to at least get them started. So we welcome you to the show, and thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to be with us. And I believe you remember Mr. Jay Logan. Jay, if you remember, this is Miss Disha Jackson. Hi, Miss Jackson. Good that you're back. Glad to have you. Hi, Mr. Logan. Nice to talk with you again. Oh, wow. So, Disha, if it's okay, we're going to get right into, you know, the questions with you, and um, we're going to start right now with that. And, Disha, you know, music artists today, it's a very different animal than it was many years ago, okay? And we want to ask you this as, you know, a lawyer yourself who's been practicing and has so much knowledge in this area. You have an artist who comes to you, and they're all over the place. They have great artistic works, but their business structure is not in a place where they start, in, you know, your opinion, to forge a foundation to begin to set themselves up as a business. Now, they want to set themselves up as a business, you know, where their music comes from. How would you suggest, as them coming to you as a lawyer and, and, and a very basic knowledge of them setting up themselves as a business, what would you advise them to do? Um, well, it depends on the um, type of business they want to go into because with music or in entertainment, there's several things you can do. If you're in, are you specifically talking about a music artist? Yes, a music artist. Yes, ma'am. So, I mean, depending if they want to do a publishing company or if they wanted to do a record company or if they wanted to be a loan-out company or if they wanted to, um, there's, you know, there's several other things you can do. Um, most likely uh, recommend that they do an LLC. Usually the Limited Liability Corp is a way that a lot of people want to go in registering their business, at least here in New Jersey and probably in New York. There's some um, requirements for the publicize. There's you know, some money that has to be paid in order to register, um, but the process is not onerous, um, you know, and there are companies that actually do that as well as lawyers, like Allstate, they do that for people out in, I think they're in Brooklyn, and they'll send you um, your operating agreement and bylaws and all those things, and uh, make sure you require that you um, go with the requirements of whatever the state you're in, in order to become a limited liability court. Um, most of the other corporations that you set up, there's so many other requirements and things you have to do, you know, if you have stocks, if you have this or payroll, you know, there's okay. so many other things that a lot of times lawyers suggest that you do a limited liability corp to uh, start your own business. Um, I would also suggest that they, you know, try to have a team, you know, usually when people start, they don't have a lot of money, but, you know, if they can try to have someone on the horn, like a lawyer to help them as well as a, an accountant, as well as a business manager, um, you know, uh, so that they are not uh, caught or get caught into different deals that might not be 
good for them, you know, so they can get advice on that. Um, that sounds great. And then also, that sounds amazing. Also, also uh, understanding the business, you know, giving them advice on, you know, if you're just starting, you don't have a lot of leverage and, you know, in, in music and in all entertainment, um, when you start off, you know, and you're no one, unless you have like such superior talent, um, you know, it's difficult to, to get what you want, you know. Um, but, you know, outside of that, you know, try to fight, you know, for the uh, most fair contracts for them and, and helping them to understand the business. Thank you so much. I know Jay has a specific question for you, too, as well. Yes, uh, Deja. Um, they, um, for young, aspiring um, creativity artists, how does a music artist copyright their music? Should it be a lawyer such as yourself or online? You can do either. Um, if you have music and there's nothing particularly um, difficult in the music, like stuff like you know clearance issues, don't sample something from Jay-Z unless you get permission to do it, you know, common <laughs> sense stuff, you know. Um, um, you know, get all your clearances, right, you know, before you do it, um, you know, either or can happen. You know, I always say, you know, when people come to me with that, if you wrote it all and you put it all together, <clears throat> you can go to the copyright website. And I know the intellectual property attorneys out there will probably want to kick my butt right now. And um, and do it yourself, you know. Um, the benefit of having an attorney is that if there's any issues that come up with the filing, you have someone there to make arguments on your behalf. You know, it's always better to have someone who understands copyright and law as well as intellectual property to file so that nothing goes wrong, nothing is missing, you know, and all of the uh, intricacies are taken care of because that's what copyright lawyers do. Um, but the run of the mill, I wrote the song, it's mine. I use nobody else's music. I created everything in it. You know, I mean, going on the copyright website and kind of, you know, looking at how to do it, you could do it yourself um, as long as there are no other issues. And that's why it's hard to say, go ahead and do it yourself. You know, I would suggest that mm -hmm. you go to a lawyer, get a consultation on your music, you know, go to an IP lawyer or entertainment lawyer and let them know what you want to do and let the lawyer say to you, okay, it sounds like you may have some issues. I should do it, you know because of these issues, or it sounds like you won't have any issues, you can hire me, or you can do it yourself. Like, I would hope that lawyers would be that open, you know, um, that if it's some, no problems with it, you know, you can suggest to the client, you know, go ahead and, and do it, and if you have any problems, come back to me, and, I'm, you know, you'll retain me at that time. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You know, Deesh, that, that's, that's really good advice. You know, Deesh, for contracts negotiations, what is the type of a lawyer a music professional should have versus one who will handle their everyday affairs and why? Um, well, I think you would want a lawyer who is well-versed in um, contract law. Um, you probably look for a business lawyer. You look for maybe an employment lawyer. These are lawyers who have to deal with employment contracts or deal with other types of contracts. And the reason you want a lawyer who knows contract, even if they don't know entertainment, you know, and the reason why you want to go with an entertainment lawyer who does contracts in entertainment is because that lawyer is familiar not only with the law of the, of the contract, 
which all lawyers should know, offer acceptance consideration and all the defenses thereof, but they're also familiar with the practice and the body of the practice of that area, which like if you go to a, a contract lawyer who does secure transaction, yeah, he or she could negotiate the contract in terms of is it sufficient legally as a contract, but they won't know that they're offering that person much less money than what they should be offering because in the practice this person should get 20%, not 5 That's the difference, right? Because the terms, you want someone who understands the terms and, and the practice area to be able to get you the best deal. You know, and to be able to argue for you that, hey, you know, just because my person's unknown doesn't mean that they shouldn't get 20%, you know, royalties because they helped write the song and they did the hook and they did the two verses and they spent all this time. Why can't they get paid? You know, someone who's not in the industry would not be able to argue those things efficiently, right? Because they just don't understand who gets what and and what you should push for and what you shouldn't. So the combination of someone who knows contract law as well as the entertainment business, whether that be music, television, you know, movies or whatever it is, you know, you should try to get someone who's right on point with the area that you need. Wow, that's great. Um, that's that's good. <laughs> that was really good. Uh, Jay, I know you have one question for Disha too. Oh yeah, I just I'm just very very impressed with you, Ms. Jackson. Um, I, we touched on this question the last time we talked, so I'm going to ask it kind of a different way, but it's kind of the same question, um, Disha. If a music professional is negotiating a contract with the rec- with record labels, and they suggest the record label suggests um, using their own lawyer for the artist. Should that artist take them up on this, or should they still just just I'm going to use my lawyer? <laughs> um, can you guys hear me? I want to make sure you can hear me. Yes, we can hear you. Maybe yes. a little louder. I would say that you would not probably want to do that. Um, that you would probably want to get your own lawyer, only because if they use a lawyer that's in house or a lawyer that they refer business to on a regular basis, both of those lawyers have connections with this company that call into question their ethical, their ethics and call and puts them in a more of a conflict situation because they, the person who is a lawyer who may do some work for the company sometimes as a complex lawyer or is a lawyer on the outside who that company may refer people to, they want to keep that business. They have an interest in keeping that business with Sony, you know, with Warner Brothers, with Atlantic Records. So there's a chance, even though I would say that a lawyer would not risk their license, but there's a chance that because their interest is in keeping that business, they may not advise that client of the best ways and the best things for them. And they may not tell them the, all the pitfalls. Now, I would hope my fellow jurists and my fellow colleagues would not do that because obviously that would be a violation of ethics. But they would say, listen, I can't take your case because I get business from them, you know. And so because of that, you know, I'm not going to do it because there's a conflict unless you waive that conflict um, or I do work for them, you know, that they would just divulge that to the person and or that the artist would say, you know, I'm going to get my own lawyer 
because I don't want someone who's connected to you because they may have an interest mm-hmm. for you and not for me. Oh, interesting. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. So even well, my question uh, is, D, I, I just, just want to say, there, D, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just want to, even if it, 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 it could turn into, oh, you know, the young people, oh, I'm not going to get my deal because I didn't use the uh, attorney from blah, blah, blah company. And so now the whole deal is a loss. How do you, how do you make uh, artists feel better to make that decision because now they're upset at everybody. Well, you messed my deal up because they said I could use that lawyer. Now I have no deal whatsoever. What do you say? What do you say to your artists? What do you say to them? Well, to make them feel comfortable. What I would say to them is this: in this business, people are very fickle, and when you are just starting out, you're probably going to lose a lot more than you gain. And if hmm. you want to take a chance to have a lawyer who doesn't have your best interests at heart to negotiate your deal and to give you advice, that'll be on you. And you might get the deal, but at the end of the day, it may be a deal where you're doing a whole bunch of work and you make no money. So what, what do you want? You know, you want a deal <laughs> that sucks where you're, you're doing all this work and they're going to treat you like crap anyway because you're nobody and they're just going to take from you and not pay you and not give you what you're worth, and not be fair, and you're going to agree to it because you want to sit and have something to do with this particular record company because you're nobody now and you just want something. Or are you going to wait and build your own character and build your own business and build your own brand till you get enough time where you have some leverage so you don't have to take a shitty deal? I love that. Wow. <laughs> okay, I'm finished. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Yay. Um, I I have a really interesting question for you, Deisha, and then we have only two more after that. If an artist has par- if an artist has partners in his company, like just say for instance, there are other band members or just other partners in general. And one of the partners goes AWOL, just, you know, the band member's like, I'm out of here, I don't want to sing anymore. And that affects the rest of the band members. How does, that, how does the artist remove them from the company itself? Just like remove them if they don't want to, you know, if that band member doesn't want to cooperate or doesn't want to sing or, you know, it's like, well, I'm not going to sing, even though the record label is telling them, you have a tour here and you're expected all of all five of you are expected to perform your music, but you you can't get that band member who's one of the lead singers to sing. They just go AWOL. How you know what what do you do to get rid of that band member? It depends on what the contract says. There shouldn't okay. be any band that doesn't have a contract. And in that contract, most band contracts say if you steal if you don't show up to practice six times, if you steal a song, if you don't sing the way we're supposed to sing on the date that we're supposed to say, you're fired. There's There should be a contract that says when you're terminated or when we can go get another singer. You don't show up for a major gig. You know, it doesn't stop, stop the show. We can go get, you know, someone else. You know, like it depends on what the contract says. How do you get them out? What does your contract say? 
he may have he or she may have fired themselves you know by going AWOL for a certain period of time the contract should have provision to cover when any band member goes AWOL you know because with a band you know you can't stop the show you got to get ready to perform and then the person doesn't show up you still got to perform because if you don't you got a contract signed with the place you're performing with and they're going to sue you you know so i mean right. there has to be provisions that are you know written to take care of that and this again is where they need to have a lawyer um uh, this is just one side question jay this is my question out there um so what if those band members that record label is looking for that band member to sing and without them you know they won't accept that group okay you can't force someone so even if they get them out the company um with no problem okay they've lost their deal okay should so with that kind of scenario should band members have their own each individual band member have their own lawyer uh when they sign you know a contract together as a group or as a company representing them Absolutely, yeah. You can't you can't have the same lawyer represent everybody in a partnership, in a band thing, in a company. Everybody should have their own lawyer review the, the deal or the contract for a group because one lawyer if if there's conflict, you can't have one lawyer. You can have one lawyer draft it, and you can have everybody tell that lawyer. You know, all five band members. Well, may tell the lawyer who represents the company, hey, I want this provision, I want that provision, and that one lawyer can draft it, and then each person needs to have a separate lawyer review it because their interests have to be represented without any conflict. The person who drafted it, he's going to say he or she's going to say everything's all right because they drafted it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It can't yeah. very well be, you know, the interests of band member four over the interests of band member two. They represent the company. You know, so the band members have to have their own lawyers, each individual read it for their behalf and then make arguments. Well, you know what? You may not want this because you're the lead singer. So you want two million a year. People come to see you. You're the reason why people come. They don't come to see the drummer. So why am I going to let you take a million and everybody get a million when you're the reason people come out? You understand? Stuff like that happens. Wow. Well, I know Jay has one last question for you. And this is, you know, this is not a question. This is just to get her point of view, what she thinks about. Uh, um, DJ, the MMA, which is the Musical Modernization Act, was uh, came into uh, came to us last year with Mr. Trump signing this uh, piece of legislature. Um, it currently it works with bars, making the digital age doing music better, and it does a few things. It allocates royalties to music producers. Yay! Um, it updates licensing rules for streaming to make sure the rights holders are paid more efficiently. And it also ensures artists' royalties on songs that were recorded before 1972. I just want to know your thoughts on this new thing with all the streaming going on and how, how the future has changed from how it used to be. Could you talk about a little bit about streaming and what do you think about this new uh, digital uh, age? Um, I mean, I think any law that provides people with rights or money for the work that they have put into any creative venture is positive. Um, 
I think one of the problems with music and entertainment is, you know, if you're a lister, you get a whole bunch. And if you're nobody, you get nothing. And, and, and they try to even take your rights away. If you've created it, they make your work for hire and, and try to take all your rights away. And I think that when it comes to streaming in the digital age, I'm fine with it. I think it's wonderful. I think it's a great way. But the same issues still are there, right? Like when it comes to like radio, right, there was always issues with who played what song and right, and how you pay royalties mm-hmm. and the royalty rights organizations were created in order to pay, you know, the people who created these songs and when they were played, right? And so you had to try to quantify all of that. Like, okay, you know, Kiss FM just played Michael Jackson. Who gets paid, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, so you're trying to quantify this vast thing that goes on, which technically we know, you know, legally, yes, you know, someone – because of the definition of the law that someone created a song and now you play it and that's a performance, right? That they should be paid in some way or, or recognized. So I don't have issue with streaming or digital things. All I say is that whatever laws or things are put in place that can give people their rights. And if you've created a song, you should be paid, you know, for what you've Mm -hmm. done in that song. And if there's a way to make that easier, great. And if there's a way to get the money to people, great. I just hate when people have to give up their rights, you know what I mean, in music mm-hmm. um, and, and in other things. Well, we love it. <laughs> I love it. Well, Disha, we really, really thank you for your time today. Yes. You're and for welcome. being with us. It was so informative. Uh, it, yes. And I, we really I want to just you say your time to. Oh, please. Thank go ahead. you. No, thank you. You're welcome. I just want to say anyone who's listening, you know, everything that I say is contingent upon what state you're in. Um, and also to, you know, go to an attorney in the state that you're in um, to get advice, because sometimes there's nuances and some of the things with regard to entertainment law, depending on the state you're in. So I have to put that in as the disclaimer. <laughs> And one, but one thing we do, we would like people to know, where can, if they are in the state of New York or New Jersey, where can they find you? Can you give us your information here, right here on the, on the radio, sure. and we will put it out to others uh, so that they can uh, connect with you? Please give that information. Sure. Disha Jackson Law Group, um, 201-528-3928. Djackson at djlawgroup.com. Uh, my website is DLJ. Uh, law group, but if you look my name up, Disha Jackson Esquire, you will find it. Okay, thank you so much for your time. And again, this show was brought to you by the DLJ Sports and Entertainment Law Firm. And we just thank you so much, Ms. Jackson, for being with us. You're welcome. Thank you. You know, Jay, I think it was really great to have her on because she brought such substance and foundation for music artists. Oh, yes. Um, that's, it's great that they can hear that, and they, they they have hope, you know, because, you know, you need people like her in this industry to, to level with you and tell you the truth where others might not. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I, that's what I loved about her. She was very open and very direct. And it wasn't about her being a lawyer just to gain clientele, but she was clear of, you know, what her boundaries are and what states and where to go look, as well as giving um, advisement that is basic knowledge, but that a lot of people really still don't know or don't know it and don't use it. You know? Yes. So I'm really happy about that. Especially the youth, you know, as you come up, you, you got all these distractions, remember distractions, <laughs> on TV, and you yeah. think that, oh, I can just write this music and blah, 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 everything's going to be fine, but you don't, you never see the predators because you just want to be a star, you know, so that's good that we have exactly. her on the show. I'm mm-hmm. glad, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, our next music industry, he's a secret music industry executive. No, we will not be letting you know his name, not, not at this moment, because of the level of work that he does, but you will know it in the next coming weeks. So without further ado, we are going to bring on our secret music executive. Hello, secret music executive. How are you? I am fine, Gail. How are you? Hey, Jay. Uh, hey, hey. Hey, hey, Phantom. <laughs> <laughs> the Phantom. We got so, the Phantom on the show. We love yeah, it. <laughs> the Phantom. I, 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 this is kind of fun, actually. This is really kind of fun. You know, it's uh, Mr. Music Executive, it's really great to have you on the show. We can't wait till you share some of your personal thoughts and, you know, of, you know where we're going and so forth within the music industry because, as we know, music heals the soul. And without it, we'd probably all be dead. Um, <laughs> so if it's, a, if it's okay, can we get right into the show with you, sir? Yes, let's, let's go. Shoot. Okay. So, you know... The music industry has taken all forms, Jay and uh, Mr. Executive. It's taken all different forms. And we'd like to know your opinion on the state of the music industry today versus even five years ago. We'd love to just know your open general thoughts about it. Uh, Well, basically, music is being consumed more than it ever has been. Uh, It's just uh, not generating the types of money that it would have years ago. But as a result of the streaming services, more money is being generated, but the portion of money that they pay out is a lot less than had that music been sold physically or digitally. So it's a, it's a, sort of a double-edged sword, shall we say, at times. It's good to see that artists who may not have gotten any money uh, are now getting some money due to discovery through these streaming services. Um, But had their music actually been sold physically or digitally, that money would be a lot higher. Wow. What about your thoughts? Wow. Well, Jay, I know you have a question for our music (laughs) tech. Yes, uh, I do have a question for the Phantom, but I just wanted – that question you asked, Gail, is good, and his answer is just good because uh, it's so true. You're selling nothing, so you're getting nothing now, even though you're more exposed. And um, we're not selling any hard copies, of them, so you have nothing tangible. So we're getting less, but we're getting more exposure. <laughs> I got it. Well, my question yeah, is, um, go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say that, you know, at least in this day and age, there's a whole generation who have been brought up to believe that music is not uh, something that they should pay for, that there's no value. And to see that the price of music has changed and in a sense has been devalued is something at least from my perspective sad to see um people feel that you know they can pay ten dollars for uh, a subscription service and get access to everything that that subscription service has so why are they going to go out and spend ten dollars on 15 songs they get that those 15 songs along with everything else so they don't feel that they should have to pay, which is a a blow to this industry to an extent because I was reading something the other day that someone had, you know, said to a younger kid, uh, what if you went to McDonald's and you worked and then they refused to pay you or they were only going to pay you a dollar an hour? how would you feel? Well, that's not fair. I'm not going to do that. Well, what about all the producers and songwriters and artists that are out there? This is what they do. This is their McDonald's. They're going out there, they're working, they're creating this music that you're enjoying and you're not paying for it or you're not paying much for it. So how are they supposed to make a living? And I think a light bulb went off that they of got that and understood that, but they were like, I've never had to pay for it before, so why am I going to start doing it now? So it's a, well, a, a sad thing to see, you know, and hear um, mm-hmm. of what's going on, but artists are coming up with creative ways to engage their fan base to uh, buy their music, whether they do types of special packaging, including cool stuff, or they will meet the artist at their booth at a show and sign an autograph. Uh, so there is still a demand. And then vinyl is, you know, considered hip and cool. So that still seems to be driving sales that people are still to some extent purchasing. But overall, it's a whole different ball game out there. Well, that's very interesting. Um, I want I want to ask you this question also, uh, Mr. Music Industry Executive and the Phantom. Do you think older music is making a comeback with younger audiences? I, I think it is because of the streaming services. These older songs are being discovered, um, and whereas. In the past, because the older catalog at labels were not being purchased or purchased as frequently, they weren't generating as much revenue from it. But now with the streaming services, there is an uptake and a big uptake with that discovery. And then when you have films like Guardians of the Galaxy and even Stranger Things, I think, soundtrack that just came out, um, they are utilizing a lot of older songs on their soundtracks. And so the younger generation is discovering those songs. And then via the different streaming platforms, 
going and discovering the artist's other works. Wow, that's um, well, good. That's good. So that's good. That's good to know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh God, that's really good to know. Um, streaming music, uh, sir. Do you think artists can get their audiences to pay uh, to pay directly to purchase their music? Is there some way you think that the, the younger, older artists can be reeducated around this? I. I think everybody can always be educated, but to change people's buying habits is going to be a tough sell. Uh, people who never have paid or are not paying much for music, unless it's something they really, really want to own for whatever factor, they're not going to do it. They're not going to change their spending habits. You know, The disposable income that people had that they were using to purchase music uh, you know, people are now using that for other means, and some of those other means are going to concerts and buying merch from artists. So hopefully in some way artists are still reaping some of those benefits from the disposable income that used to go through purchasing their music to supporting them in other ways. Jay, i got to sneak a question in here. I just have to ask this. <laughs> Okay. Um, do, do do you th- think it has anything to do with that? It, it doesn't matter what age you are now, younger, older, in between. People are being taught not to own anything. Even cars are coming up, self-driving cars where you don't want, you know, they don't want you to own them. You know, um, we're now renting clothes that we purchase, like rent the runway. Um, you know, things like that. Do you think it, ha- it has a lot to do with that too? I don't know how much of it, but I'm sure that does play some type of part when you are forcing people or teaching people to do things differently or this is the way that you're teaching them to be done. That's what they're going to do, and things always change. So uh, it's sometimes with people who – know the multiple options to do things, they will choose what they want to do or what they're most comfortable with. There are some old-timers that just refuse to change. People really don't like change. Um, They like the comfort of knowing what is. And it it just, it depends. Mm, Okay. You know, it's funny, um, Jay and Mr. Executive, is, is that you know, if you if when you do rent the runway right now for a shirt, right, you might have that favorite shirt you want to pick out the closet and wear, but you can't because it was just rented. And the same thing with music and streaming. You may want to hear that song, but if you don't have Wi-Fi up at that moment or you don't have a signal, you know what I mean. Even if you can download them off, you know, offline, we all know we, you know, streaming services allow you to do that. But let's say in that moment you forgot to download it offline and you don't have it, and you have to wait till you get a signal. You know, your music is not on your phone that you want to hear. Maybe you want to hear that particular song in that moment. That's why I think that we're kind of leading all of ourselves to not own, and ownership is important. So, thank you for sharing about that. I know Jay has another question for you, sir. Um, yes. How do you think music artists break through the noise of so many other artists out there? How do they get through? Yeah, I like that one, Jerry. It, it depends. As I tend to say, out there it's now like the wild, wild west. 
things that used to work aren't working. Um, people are just throwing things at the wall to see what sticks, and sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, we've just seen as the Internet age and all the different platforms that are out there have emerged, many different things can go viral. And when something goes viral, that will, in essence, can spark and explode uh, an artist's career. Uh, we've seen that happen with little Nas X, um, as well as some yep. other artists mm-hmm. recently. Uh, so it's uh, a very interesting time to see it, what goes viral and how it goes viral. And one thing that I've been sort of intrigued by is this app out there called TikTok. They seem to be the ones that are breaking the hips, <laughs> and that's where Little Nas X started. Yes. And they seem to be uh, doing very interesting things and um, making stars out of artists. So it'll be interesting to see how things progress on that front. Yeah, it, it is. TikTok seems to be hitting hot, hotter than TikTok and Instagram are almost line in line because young people still like their Instagram and they still like their Snapchat, but TikTok is just taking off on a whole nother level. Um, here, here's my question for you. I think touring is great. And my thing is always that while touring is great, artists now have to do more touring because they're not getting downloads. You know, they're not, it's streaming now. So this affects their personal lives and family. How do you think this could be handled uh, better, sir? Because when you're, when an artist is touring all the time, they're not seeing their family as much. And, you know, this is one area that has been really key. I think it's not focused on enough that when artists are touring, it's just like, um, you know, a man or a woman who don't see their family or their friends or are not home enough. You just kind of feel like you're just out there as a person, and at the same time, you're not seeing your family. I'd love to know what you think could be some, you know, just your thoughts on it, what you think could be some actual um, well, solutions to that. As long, as long as there have been artists, there have been tours, and this is just a part of the life and the lifestyle, and anyone who is in it or marries into it is well aware of that, and uh, not coming from an artist background myself. I don't know the ins and outs and ramifications uh, to the extent that the artists do. I know it's hard, but artists do make it work. Artists bring their families out on the road, especially when it's summertime. Um, And that's what they do. They travel together as a family and see the world. Uh, But that's part of the job. And there are many other jobs out there in this world that aren't artists that people have to travel. They have to go out of town, business meetings, you know, so I can equate that to that. And families make it work, Uh, whether it's, you know, communication to me is key when it comes to relationships. And if you have that communication, uh, you know, things will survive. I I guess the difference, uh, Jay, Jay and, uh, you know, the music industry exec is that 
when you are in a family where it's just a husband and a wife that travels a lot, you can work with that because you don't have ten to 20,000 men and women or LGBT coming after you. But when, you have, when you're an artist, you have that every single day. And so there's, even if you have the greatest communications, just so much temptation out there. So, you know, well, that's, that's what that's I often each, think of. Yeah, but that's each individual. Uh, people, sometimes people are going to cheat, and it doesn't matter. They're going to cheat. And each relationship has uh, their own boundaries and whatever. There are people who are in open marriages. They can go and sleep around. Uh, I, we don't know the the relationship that these people have, but that you know temptation is part of what comes with this industry. Excess is part what comes with this industry, especially when you make it big. And it's all these temptations and all these things that you have to deal with, and it all depends on the person themselves and what they can handle and what they can do. And yes, sometimes marriages don't work because of that. And families get broken, but other times it works because of the trust okay. and the communication, you know, but that happens with any relationship. Someone in a work environment can meet a hottie at work and start engaging in a, an extramarital affair with someone they work with. That's very true. That's very true. I would say one of the most successful ones would be Alicia Keys in Swiss Beats. They seem to manage it with their children pretty well. Yeah, and many yeah. artists um, do. So, so, Jay, I know you had a question for him as well. Yeah, this is the big question that uh, that um, Jill uh, came up with that everybody wants to know. And <laughs> so I'm going to ask you again because everybody wants to know. So, Bill, this is a good question. How, Mr. Phantom, and music executive, how do you think an up-and-coming artist can get their music heard by new fans online and offline? Question of the week. Okay. Well, first and foremost, it has to get out there. And second of all, you have to engage with your fan base, whether it be by going out, meeting them, and touring and performing. Those are ways to do it on your own. There is also uh, you know, getting on a playlist on one of these streaming services. That seems to help a lot of artists get recognition. Um, and then, as I mentioned before, TikTok. I, many of these acts that are getting up there are acts that don't have label deals from at least what I'm able to see, and they get their music somehow, some way to get incorporated into uh, the videos that go up there by some of the top influencers on the platform, and they blow up. So um, there are many ways to do it, but you have to build a fan base. You have to engage in that fan base. And, and to me, in this day and age, if an artist can't pull off a tour and can't tour, they're not going to have a long career. So I definitely think some of us will be on TikTok. I was ashamed to say that I've been on TikTok, but I'm, I didn't want nobody to know, but now I don't care. <laughs> um, okay. Um, what do you think about artificial intelligence technology 
writing songs for people and finishing tracks, where does that put artists, producers, and songwriters? Well, to me, artificial technology is void of emotion. And most songs that are written, most songs that are written comes from emotion, whether that be happy, sad, pain, and through those emotions that are being conveyed through the lyrics, it's able to connect. And that's what makes a song, that's what makes a song a hit. Um, the impact that it has. I don't know artificial intelligence and the programming aspect. I'm not a programmer. So I don't know if an artificial intelligence can be programmed with emotions and feelings, per se, like a human. But but even if it I is, if it's finishing the track for someone or it's finishing, I, I just, I have to agree with you. I would not think it's not coming from the person. It's coming from something that was finished for them. You know, um, we would just have to agree with you. Yeah, it's um yeah, it's it's live music and feeling is very important in music. Um and you can tell. You can tell if you hear Eric Clapton or if you hear uh, digital guitar online. It just you don't have the the pressure, the velocity, you can't make it sing, you know, you can't touch that soul, you can't get in there. So you're right. You, you know, can't you can't um, touch the spirit at all at all. And you know, you you have been in you have known about music for many years, sir. Many years, yes. and you understand <laughs> the 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 important you know um, the importance of uh, the music and how it connects with one's soul and across all genres. You know, can you say a little bit about that? Because I think someone like yourself who has dealt with so many genres and understand the power of music. Okay. Um, how, how, I mean, I know that while we, none of us here may be programmers, what, I mean, do you have any suggestions? Because it seems like the music industry is trying to go that way in some ways. Suggestions in relation to what? Uh, suggestions in relation to like the artificial, you know, intelligence that some, you know, some people are saying, you know, will help artists, will help producers, you know, and as you said, there's no emotion there. We don't have to be programmers to see that, you know, and you've, you've dealt with so many genres of music. Okay. Yeah. How, I, how I can. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't it. know enough about this artificial intelligence, nor have I listened or knowingly known that I've listened to something that had been artificially created. So not having the knowledge about it, I can't uh, comment or speak uh, knowledgeably on it. Um, Mm -hmm. But it would be interesting for me to hear something to see what's being done and to know more about that. But personally, I just feel that probably would be lacking. It would be. I, we would agree with you. Um, the only other question that I have for you is um, really dealing with social media. This is my last question. I know Jay has one last one after this, but social media. 
and how you think that plays a part in helping an artist or hindering an artist? Well, it can do both. It all depends upon what's done. We've seen hits explode due to social media and many of the different ways that stuff is put up online and things blow up. I mean, even going back to Soldier Boy, rank that, uh, you know, with the dance and everything, and it went viral. And there are so many things since then that have gone viral due to memes or videos or whatnot that are posted. So it can help, but at times it can also be detrimental, especially if something gets out that shows someone not in the most favorable light, uh, being mean or nasty to someone or licking a donut that's on the table <laughs> for public consumption. No matter what someone <laughs> might be trying to do or be cutesy or have fun, people interpret things differently, and at times it can cause a lot of backlash for someone, especially mm. when someone may okay. have not meant any harm. Uh, but at times you can see some of the harm when people are just being downright nasty and can hinder someone's career. But, Hmm. you know, as much as we love to build artists up, we always love to knock them down only to build them back up and see redemption. Hmm. Hmm. Powerful. Very powerful. Well, Jay, I know you had another question for him. Yes, I do. Um, With the light of the digital age, and would you say we are in danger of having no more princes, no more Elvis Presleys, no more Michael Jacksons, no more, um, I would say, uh, music coming from the, the dirt, coming from the root, opposed to everybody's doing everything on the computer, they're going to the stores, buying all the apps and programs and logic. Nobody's really, really, are we in danger of losing the artists? Well, I I don't think we're in danger of losing artists. I think we might be in danger of losing timeless artists. You know, I've said this many times over the year with people, you know, who I speak to. You know, back in the day, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, uh, Mm -hmm. Billy Joel, Bruce Springsteen, many of these artists, their first single, their first albums did nothing. They didn't break through. It wasn't until maybe the second or their third record that they started to blow up because back in the day, to me, this industry was run by music people, people with passion, people who saw a vision, saw the talent and helped nurture and cultivate it. Or in this industry, as we we call it A&R, and they built them until they became successful. And now we have these artists that are still around today and doing well and are still selling records and still touring the world to sold-out crowds. But nowadays, with artists, labels aren't doing that A&R to the extent that they used to. And they want an artist tied up in a neat little bow tie saying, here's all my fans. Here's all my socials. Here's all my, this I'm big here and there. So you're going to make your money before they at times will touch an artist 
or if they right. see something in that artist and then release a, a, a song by that artist and it doesn't stick and it doesn't become a hit. Many times those artists are dropped. There's no sticking by and cultivating and nurturing and developing that artist to that superstar status. If you don't wind up getting that superstar status almost right away, you always have that chance of getting dropped and not making it. It's funny that you would say that because one of the countries that I admired, even back when we had the artists in repertoire in the A&R, was Sweden. Sweden, you would have artists that didn't do well, but then suddenly they did do well because Sweden would always stick by the artist to nurture the artist's ability, their talent and everything. And we're missing that. And I think that it's important, you know, uh, that an artist have that on their team. You know, you have the manager, you know, someone may be helping you with promotions, publicity, your business manager, if you have a business manager and a personal manager and a road manager, but also, um, they kind of have to have wear dual hats to know how to nurture the talent of the artist. Hopefully an artist will have that, even an up-and-coming artist will seek that out to nurture their talent because that's the most important. Yeah. There are many people that don't know how to do that. Yeah, well, over the years, is music companies that were run by music guys have been purchased and bought by corporate companies. It's all become about right. the bottom dollar. You know, about money is the bottom line. So even though there may be music people still at the helm of some of these companies or running some of these labels, they have to answer, and their jobs are in jeopardy if they're not bringing in the revenue. And it's not generating per what the, you know, money people are saying. And I think many times people who aren't music people and don't know music don't get it. Absolutely. And Absolutely. This is a, a different industry. And if you're signing this artist and their first album didn't take, well, put out a second album, put out a third album. If I always say if Bruce Springsteen or Billy Joel came out today, Bob Dylan, they would have been dropped. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm, I'm curious about this since our last question. Um, and do you think if Michael Jackson's albums were put out today, would he be dropped? Well, he always sold. He always did well. He always had hits, and that was due to the fact of where he got his start and that they had success from the get-go, especially with the backing of the Motown Brand and Diana Ross, who was one of the biggest stars in the world at the time when they first released their first album. So, you know, when you have artists who support you and are backing you who are the biggest in the world, it can make or break your career in a lot of ways. You're also seeing that, especially at times, look at what Taylor Swift has done over the years. She has taken artists who she loved and admired and would tweet about them, which would engage her fans in finding out more about them and then would bring them on tour with her to open up. And lo and behold, now Ed Sheeran is selling out arenas on his own. Just him and a guitar. Right. Right. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely. So basically, uh, the branding, uh, the artist in the beginning, seems to be very important 
to make sure they get a good uh, liftoff. Always. And I also I also agree with you and about um, the com- the companies they don't pamper the artists anymore they don't change their diapers they don't give them bottles and Similac and so that they allow the artists to fade and they just go to the next artist the next artist who's never next yeah. who's ever next I mean yeah. I've known many artists who were supposedly the next big thing and the first single didn't take.